So it was, uh, I, I get over my Christmas shopping very early in my life. I got delivered from it. That sounds like a, <laughs> a strong word, but I'll say that, all right? It was 1975. I was in my first year of college and I needed a seasonal job. So I got a job at the local Kmart, all right? And they put me in the toy department. I want to tell you something. That cured me from shopping like you wouldn't believe. Well, the difficulty was the parents, you know? They'd rush in. It was, you guys that are younger, it was in, back in the day we couldn't order online, all right? You actually had to go to, to the store and find it, all right? There was no like, you know, you just were on the hunt, man. And they'd rush into the store, and there was always certain toys that they were looking for. You know, the most popular, oh, you, want, you want to get your kids the most popular toy. I mean, when they, when they did jingle all the way, Turbo Man, all right? <laughs> they, they captured it right there. I mean, these parents would rush in, they're like, hey, do you have this certain toy? No, I'm sorry, we haven't had it for a week. Are you sure you don't have, I'm positive we don't have it. Could you go check in the back? I'm like, yeah, sure. So if they were nice, I go in the back and sit on a box for five minutes <laughs> and come back out and disappoint them. If they were nasty, I'd wait about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> like I was really looking, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, oh man, these poor parents. It, it cured me of, of Christmas shopping. And of course, it was the toys that were popular. Back in 75, it was the Easy Bake Oven. Wow, some of you had that, okay? Pet Rock came out that year. Everybody had to have a pet rock. I mean, it was, uh, they sold 105, 100 and a half million pet rocks in within a couple of months. How crazy is that? You get a, get a rock. I mean, I could go out in the backyard and do that. Anyhow, but, uh, and then the big thing was Atari came out with their game system. Oh, man. Man, they, were, they would fight for that thing. And it's interesting because parents would actually offer other parents cash on the side if they could get the gift. You know, and you know, it was, so it was a different time, a different day. So I got, after one season then, I was like, I was delivered from shopping. You won't find me at the mall, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just, uh, I just try not to get into it too much, you know? But I don't know where you're at with that, but if you need deliverance, we'll pray for you later. <laughs> but the thing about shopping online is that what they found out is people actually spend more money. Because you're just hitting it, you're not even realizing, you're like, oh, they could use it, boom, boom, boom. You're like, then you get the bill, and it's like, whoa, what did I do? You know, but okay, that, enough of that, all right? Uh, but if you need prayer, we're, we're available. Okay, <laughs> so today's the first uh, Sunday of Advent. Advent is a part of the liturgical or public worship calendar where Christians around the world uh, take the four Sundays before Christmas Eve, and they anticipate new hope, new peace, new joy, new love, as they look forward to the coming and celebrating the coming of Jesus. We look back to Christ's first arrival in Bethlehem, and we also look forward to the second arrival, which will be the final arrival when he comes back for his church. And during these Sunday celebrations over the next few weeks, we celebrate Advent together, and typically we're kind of in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, all right? Next week, it'll be totally Christmas, I promise you, all right? But uh, usually we have the uh, Advent wreath up here, and we light that and kind of celebrate that. So if you're new to Advent, welcome. I was liturgically challenged before I came to integrity. 
Not that I didn't know what Advent was really all about, but we didn't celebrate it the way that we do here. We didn't have the candle and, and all that stuff and, and you know, the, uh, focus on this, those. We included those topics in our messages, but we didn't particularly focus on Advent. All right, Advent by meeting is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And of course, during this season, for us as believers, that arrival of that special person or that special event, of course, is the Lord Jesus uh, being born, the Messiah coming, all right? And we can um, count down the days before Christmas and all that we're anticipating and hoping for and kind of dreaming of, but let's take a moment in the next four weeks to really be slightly counterculture. You ever think you'd be counterculture in church? Absolutely, okay? And together we can resist the invitation by our culture to make Christmas all about consumption. It's kind of looking at it in a different way. Let's consider together uh, an, an invitation where we discover new hope and new peace and new joy and new love. Or as a wise person suggested, let's approach Advent with an expectant hush rather than a last minute rush. You can get so involved in the season, hey, I love Christmas time. I'm not, I'm not knocking Christmas. I'm not down on Christmas. I think it's, it's awesome. I mean, we're... It's a time of year where the sights and sounds and they're all in particular special for that, for that uh, time of year. And so we take it all in. But um, sometimes what happens is we get caught up, you know? And what, it's, it's like, uh, I don't need to tell you, man, like the, the move is on. I mean, the, the wave is coming, you know what I mean? People are out there doing their thing and getting ready. And, and, um, and sometimes we do all that and then Christmas Eve comes like, oh, you know, I got to find God in all of this, you know. And so we kind of rush to do that. So let's take some time during the next uh, few weeks during Advent and let's uh, pause and contemplate and look at uh, creating new space in our daily routine to prepare for God's coming and his arrival even into our lives in a new way. It's interesting that when you create time for intimate, uh, uh, intimate relationship with God, the, the amazing thing happens. He actually shows up. He's there. He recognizes that. And typically in the last uh, few years, we've focused on the topics of hope and peace and joy and love. And these will all be included in the messages, but we're not taking that particular direction this year. It's a different focus. So back in Isaiah, now Isaiah uh, wrote his book prophetically uh, 700 years before Christ came. And it was at a difficult time for Israel. They were facing invasion. It was a time when uh, the prophecy was given to God's people. They, were, uh, they needed hope in, in face of national uh, trauma, disaster and despair. The Assyrians were on their march and they were taking whole countries captive. And he told them that a child would be born and he would bear the names of the titles of ever, Wonderful Father, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And that child would be Jesus, the Messiah. So let's read together Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And I'm going to have to read it off the screen because I don't have it. So it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So today we're 
going to look at Christ as being the wonderful counselor. Now, it's interesting because some people would like to separate that into two different, two different uh, topics or, or names. Wonderful, and that's Jesus is totally wonderful, and he's totally a counselor. But the way it's written in the, in the passage, in the Hebrew language, there's no uh, uh, punctuation marks, okay? So it's really supposed to say wonderful counselor. It's all one term. So that's what we're going to look at today. Not only to tell you that counseling is at all-time high in our society, uh, certainly recently what we've been through, it's caused a lot of uh, unrest in people's lives and brought things to the surface. And so uh, it's difficult even to get an appointment with a counselor. They're going to tell you you have to wait. And uh, Listen, if they don't have a waiting list, go to somebody else. <laughs> It's a good feeling when they got a waiting list. I want to tell you because you know they're busy and they're doing the right thing. If they got no waiting list, you know, it's, it's okay. All right. <laughs> and there certainly is nothing wrong with seeking out advice and counsel when you're going through a difficulty or have a particular need in your life. In fact, the Bible does encourage it. However, we can't lose sight of the fact that we as believers have access to the most wonderful counselor imaginable, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, when you hear the word counselor in, in reference to God, please don't think of therapist, all right? Think more like strategist, because that's what God does. He gives us ways out of our situations and circumstances. And so we need to remember that in the ancient world, a uh, counselor was someone who usually devised plans to win a military victory or to do something else significant in, in, their, uh, in, their, in their culture. So when Isaiah used the term wonderful counselor, he indicates part of the character of who Jesus is. Now the word wonderful in that passage literally means incomprehensible, extraordinary. In other words, the results that you'll get will far exceed your expectations. In the second part of the title, Isaiah gives Jesus is the word counselor. In ancient Israel, a counselor was portrayed as a wise king such as Solomon who would give guidance to the people. It really means, it means, uh, means an, an advisor or someone who devises a plan. So when you take those two words and put them together, together, you have this incomprehensible advisor who gives you plans that will far exceed your expectations. And Isaiah continues in chapter 11, verse 2, and as he continues to prophetically describe the Messiah and Jesus coming, he writes in, in, that, in that, those verse, that verse, and the spirit of the Lord shall, not, shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And as you pick those words out, it's pretty powerful. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear or reverence for the Lord. And the Bible does play, place a high premium on wise counsel. Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So Christ's position as our wonderful counselor means that we can trust him to listen to us, listen to our problems and guide us in the right direction. And we can be sure he's listening because he told us that we could pray to him about our worries. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. 
so we can come to God and we can tell him what's on our heart and on our mind. And we can be certain uh, that he has our best interest in mind because he loves us. I want to give you three characteristics or qualities, and these are not all encompassing of who Jesus is. I've just picked three of them out to, uh, for today to understand what makes him the wonderful counselor. First of all, you understand your struggle. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have uh, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, just without sin. We have a high priest. And in, in, uh, Bible, in biblical times, the high priest was, uh, was the one between the people and God. He, he went and brought the sacrifices. And, and we have Jesus as our high priest. And he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. All right? Jesus understands. He gets it. He can relate to you and I. And sometimes when we're going through a difficult situation, uh, someone will say to us in well-meaning, and maybe they have totally, totally understand this, but they'll say, I understand what you're going through. But unless they really are going through what you're going through, there's a limit on how much they could really understand and relate to. All right? But Jesus understands our situation fully. As a matter of fact, he knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows our thoughts. He knows our uh, situation. Jesus even knows our motives. He knows why we do what we do. Hebrews remind us that he judges the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. Jesus understands the situation fully. All right? And we can go to him. And then continuing on in verse 16, it says in the fourth chapter of Hebrews, it reminds us that let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can go to God in confidence, all right? You don't have to wonder. You don't have to think about. You can go with confidence. I mean, when you got confidence, you can, you can do a lot of things, you know? You can accomplish a lot because you feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm, you know, it's just, what a, what, a, what a comfort knowing that you can come to God in confidence, all right? And you can draw near to the throne of grace and you will receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been wrongfully accused? Have you ever suffered loss, been misunderstood? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever felt like you've reached the bottom and there's no way up? Jesus understands all of that. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God sent Jesus to heaven to reveal who he really was. And he came for a purpose. He came to die for you and I. So Jesus was fully God. He was divine. And he was fully human. He understood and felt, had emotions. Okay, sometimes we think that Jesus just kind of, you know, he was, he was so much God that he didn't, couldn't connect with all those things, but he does, and he did. He knows how people can be. He knows how, light, how rough life can get. So he understands our struggles, and we can come to him because he understands. Second thing I want to mention is he cares for you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, 
he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety upon him but he, because he cares for you. You can take all your cares and you can cast them on Jesus because he cares for you. He cares about you as a person. He cares about your character. He cares about your spiritual growth and your emotional health. He cares about the pain and suffering that you might be facing. And he considers you and I of value and worth so much that that's why he came. He put his value and worth on us on that cross. He came to give new life, new hope, and salvation. He's not going to leave you to fend for yourself. You probably heard people say, God helps those who help themselves. The truth of the matter is, when you've reached the bottom, God helps those who can help themselves. When you see no way out, God steps in. All you need to do is call on him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, uh, gives us this promise. Come to me, all you who are labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay? I picture it like this. You're carrying this huge burden in your life. And you're, you're trying to manage, you're trying to make it. It's weighing you down and, and really exhausting you. And all of a sudden, someone comes alongside and says, you know what? I'll help you. I'll carry that for you. Jesus is our burden bearer. We can go to him and we can give it to him. And so God cares for you. He understands our struggles. He cares for you. And the third thing I want to mention is he commits himself to you. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you and I. God is all about relationships. You read the, you read the scriptures, it's all about relationships. And he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. It says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. That means that uh, Jesus speaks to us. We can have a personal relationship with him. He's committed to us, and he talks to us. So I just want to mention a few ways that, the, that Jesus speaks to us. These are not, again, not a full list. I'm just hitting a few this morning. First and foremost, through the Bible, God's word. That's how he speaks to us. Look what it says in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been in, like, I mean, I'm talking about total darkness and you don't know where you're going. I was, uh, years ago, I was, I had taken the youth group to, uh, at the time it was Valley Forge Christian College. Uh, it's a new name now. And this was on an old military base, and they had tunnels underground that connected from building to building. You didn't even have to go outside if you didn't want to. You could just, if you knew your way through the tunnels, you could get to where you wanted to go. So I thought it was really cool. I'm going to take the tunnel, you know? So I get under there, and I get like halfway through, and all of a sudden the lights go out. I've never been in total darkness like that. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't any sign of light anywhere. And I remember the feeling like, I don't know how to, which way to go. It's a little, I'm afraid I might fall in a hole. I might trip over something. So I got along. It was all made out of brick. It was very cool. I got along and I just felt the brick and took, took my time getting out of there. But man, it was total darkness. And you know what? When you're in a dark place and you can't see and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do, it says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word illuminates. 
And you know what? You might not only see the next step. You know? You might not see the whole picture. Take that next step and just watch God illuminate that process in your life and, and show you the way out. The third way that, um, okay, so God speaks to us through his word. He leads and guides us. Second Timothy says all uh, scriptures breathed by God. God breathed life into his word and so that can lead us and guide us. The third, uh, uh, second way I'd like to mention is God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. John uh, 16, three says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide and direct you. Have you ever been in a situation where you had a scripture that just like out of nowhere, just boom, just came to you and you like you knew it was like, wow, where'd that come from? That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. You ever been in a situation where God will lead you to something or, or cause you to, to, to do something that you weren't planning on doing and you know, you know it's him. You can't take any credit for it, all right? And so God leads us by his spirit. Now, when we accept Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He takes residence in us. And of course, our, our, our situation is to learn how to listen to that and follow that spirit. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he guides and directs you and helps you. He speaks to us even through our conscience. You ever been in a situation and you just you say, oh, this is not right. And you just know that you gotta go in a different direction. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. And see, we gotta get sensitive to that. We gotta listen to that. We gotta begin to recognize that voice. The third way that God speaks to us is through the church. The church should be the world's largest support group. Every single person in this room this morning has problems. Look at the person sitting on the left of you and say to them, you got problems. Look at the person on the right and say, you got problems. Okay. Now look up to God and say, I got problems. All right. Now for a couple of you that were sitting on the outside wall, it was really bad that you looked at the wall and said, you got problems. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all have situations and circumstances that we're dealing with and working through. I like to tell you that I'm okay. And most of the time I am, but sometimes I'm not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. All right? We all go through it. And did that make you feel better when you said that to your neighbor? Some of you have been dying to say that like for, I don't know, weeks or something. You got problems. And so it kind of like freed you from that, you know? Here's what it is. We're all struggling to make it through and to give God the glory in the process. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And what I want to encourage you to do is seek out sound advice. Find a fellow Christian, somebody that's been in the faith for a while, it's kind of had to deal with some stuff, you know? Find them out, seek them out, all right? Somebody that's living a life that honors God and ask them what they think. Talk to two or three strong Christians. Seek out help. Seek out counsel. The church is here to help you succeed. And God can use other believers to speak to you. And all you have to do is listen. Do you know that when you commit yourself to God, he commits himself to you? And he promises to hold on to you. Scriptures tell us, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. I picture that like a young child who climbs up on their parents' lap, 
just to be in that safe place. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And I also know that he who started a good work in you is committed to finishing it. Philippians 1.6 tells us, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, it may take that long, probably will, all right? But you know what? God is committed to making sure that we become who he wants us to be, that we become a reflection of who he is. And so we come to this Christmas story, and it's no wonder you find in the announcement of Jesus' birth in the Gospels, we find the angels singing their hearts out. Now, you can read this passage over, and you can totally miss what's being said here. In Luke chapter 2, verse, verses uh, uh, 8 to 14, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We could really read that whole passage over and really miss that, you know? But think about this for a minute. So this single angel appears to the shepherds. That's a whole other story in itself. I mean, why did he come to them first? To some, some of the lowest uh, disrespected uh, people in society, they weren't even able to testify in court. They were known to be, you know, kind of deceitful and liars or whatever. And, and, and Jesus you know, the angel comes and reveals to them that Jesus is going to be born, all right? But this angel comes and makes this pronouncement. And then it says, suddenly in verse 13, out of nowhere, a multitude of heavenly hosts begin to praise God, singing glory to God in the highest. Man, there must have been some awesome singing. We had great singing this morning. Could you imagine a, a, a heavenly host of angels? Man, there was some harmony there. All right? And it was, like, it was like a dam that was waiting to burst. I mean, this was an announcement that, 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 that was, God had put on hold for so long, and all of a sudden, boom. It wasn't just, you know, we, we read it over, and we're like, oh, glory to God in the highest thing. You know, no, man, it was, there was so much excitement there. The skies exploded with a multitude of angels praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And and peace on, earth, peace on earth among those whom he is pleased. They were congratulating the heavenly father on the birth of his perfect son. And they were telling us that the savior of the world was born. That was no low key event, I want you to know. All right? Because the savior of the world had come, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace had come. In Romans 8, 34, it says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. This is where Jesus is at right now. He's at the right hand of God, and he's pleading your case and my case. He's interceding for us. Man, how could you go wrong? All right? 
and uh, that's the position that he's at now. So we see him as our wonderful counselor. His plans are always perfect. His ways are not always um, what you might expect, but they're always good and they're always right. And in Christ's wise counsel, there's strength and weakness. There's blessing and brokenness. There's exaltation and humility. There's comfort and affliction. There's even life in the midst of death, all because Jesus is our wonderful counselor. I want to close with a scripture found in Jeremiah 33.3, and it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Call to me. It's an invitation to come. All right? And he's going to tell us and show us the hidden things that we don't know about. So how do you connect with this wonderful counselor? Well, you kind of do it the same way as you do with a regular counselor. First thing you got to do is make an appointment. All right? In other words, you got to carve out some time. You got to set some time aside, you know, and get quiet and, and say, God, I'm making an appointment with you, you know, and sit down and make that happen. All right? And then the other thing got to be is totally honest. All right? Now, here's what we do when we're talking to somebody and we're trying to feel and sense how far we can go with our information. We give a little bit out, okay? Okay, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's responded in a good way, we maybe go a little further. We let a little, little more. The moment we feel like there's a disconnect, we stop right there, you know? And we don't go any further. But you know what? You can be totally honest with God. Because here's the amazing thing. He knows it already anyhow. So why are you going to try to hide it? All right? Be honest with him, okay? Open your heart to him. Tell him what's going on in your life. Then you need to listen to the counselor's advice. Listen to his voice, all right? Let him speak to you. Let him, let him show you. And, and here's the key. The last thing, the key is you can do all those three things, but here's the key. You need to do what the counselor tells you to do. When, when God gives you direction in your life, you need to follow that and follow his advice. So we're in this, we're in this Christmas season. It's one of the most awesome times of the year in some regards. I mean, the lights, the smells, the, just the whole you know, festive uh, environment that Christmas brings. But also along with that, it's a very difficult time. And some people, this is the most difficult time of the year. If they could, they would hit the fast forward button to January 2nd and just be over with it. And it happens because sometimes maybe we face loss during the year and we just, you know, missing that person. Maybe it brings out some uh, negative feelings in our life, whatever, okay? They even have a, a disorder, it's called SAD, okay? Seasonal Affective Disorder. And they've identified that. People, some people feel it stronger than others. And that's okay. That doesn't mean there's like a lot of things wrong with you. It's just that time of year hits you really hard. During this time of year, Jesus wants to come alongside of us and be the wonderful counselor. He wants to give us the guidance and wisdom and advice and help that we need. And he's committed to that. So no matter where you're at today, I just want you to realize, and this is only one aspect of who he is, but he is a wonderful counselor. Put your confidence and trust in him and see what he'll do. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you this morning that 
God, as we look at your word and reflect on, Lord, the characteristics of who you are, and today is a wonderful counsel. I pray that you'd come alongside of those today that just need help from you. God, that they would put their trust and confidence in you, no matter what they're facing and going through. Lord, that you would just be there. Wrap your arms around them, Lord, and carry them. And Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon your people today. And Lord, I pray that our lives would be a reflection of who you are. And as you guide us, direct us, and, and work in our lives in such a special way, that Lord, that you give us opportunity to share that with those around us. Bless and strengthen your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.